0: Mutually beneficial. Nothing personal word of the day for Friday, October 29th. It's a Friday. God, Coke and I both thought yesterday was Friday. It felt like a Friday. I can't stand when it's not the day that I think it is because it's never, there's never an upside to it. It's never, hey, it feels like Friday when it's actually Saturday because then it feels like a day before than it is. Or, hey, it feels like a Sunday, but it's only a Saturday. Oh, that's cool, I have an extra day of the weekend. It always goes the wrong way, right? Feels like Friday and it's only Thursday, which leads to despondency. Mutually beneficial, there was an off day yesterday in the World Series, and the rule is very simple in baseball during the World Series. You are not allowed, no team is allowed to make any announcement about anything. You can't sign a player, you can't sign a manager, you can't sign a coach, you can't hire a general manager. You cannot do anything anything during the World Series. Ironically, the reason for that rule is that the commissioner wants all of the focus on the field on the World Series, which got totally bollocksed up during his pre-game one on-field scrum, but that's for another story. It was another story. So on the off days, which come after game two and before game three, off day was yesterday, Thursday, Then there's another off day on Monday between game five and a possible game six. Although the World Series could be over if either the Astros or Braves sweep this weekend. The World Series could end on Sunday. And then it's all hands on deck. You can announce whatever you want. And the way you get to announce something during an off day is you still have to contact the commissioner and tell him what the announcement is when you plan on announcing it. And then he gives you permission and then you proceed. So here we are spending our off day waiting for something amazing to happen and then doo do That's my text noise when, when I get a text from Coca. Do-do. And when I know, I get several texts from Coca an hour on various things because he produces this show and basically runs this show and we're always preparing for the next show and talking about the last show and trying to get better. And so when I get a text from him that has... Uh, in the text a, what looks like a Twitter name. I know I'm about to get news given to me when it's just words. I know that he's about to tell me something I did wrong during a show or something he wants me to work on for next show. So I get a text from him, doo last night. And it was from a guy at ESPN, a baseball insider who breaks news, which you know is not my thing. I don't break news. I evaluate news. It was from Jeff... Passan, my good friend. He's not a friend. He's not an acquaintance. Don't even know the guy. Bob Melvin. Get to it, David. That's what he just said to me in my ear. He hates when I take two minutes to start a show and don't get to what I'm talking about. Mutually beneficial is the hiring of Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin is the Oakland A's manager. Bob Melvin is one of the most widely respected managers in all of baseball. He has had tremendous success in Oakland, with very low payrolls for a large number of years, working with Billy Bean, John Fisher, who's the owner of the A's. And out of nowhere, Bob Melvin was hired by the San Diego Padres. A.J. Preller, who we have talked about ad nauseum on this show, although that has a negative pejorative connotation. A pejorative connotation, I don't mean for it to be. Well, I sort of do, because he's not really my cup of GM. The San Diego Padres, you knew were gonna go with experience. They had had Andy Green was A.J. Preller's first manager. Then Jace Tingler was the second manager. What do those two people have in common? You've never heard of either of them. Neither one worked out. They were both friends with A.J. Preller. That counts for something. And finally, the new control person, Peter Seidler, with the Padres said, I have an idea, and he didn't say this publicly. He actually said the opposite, but I have an idea. Why don't we get a manager who actually knows what the hell he's doing? Why don't we get a manager who has a chance to deal with both Tatis and Machado and aging superstars like Hosmer and Myers, though I'm not sure they're superstars, but they are aging. But Bob Melvin works for the Oakland A's. How would it even occur to anybody that he's available? So he had his option exercised for 2022 by the Oakland A's on June 15th. So when you are doing a manager search, when we did our 20 manager searches, we had several columns of people. Available, not available. Then under available, it was available with experience, available without experience, not available with experience, not available without experience. Those not available without experience would be if you're doing something a little off the beaten path, someone like a uh, a, a, a bench coach someone like a gm someone who you're bringing in to be a manager who has no managerial experience but is also working for another team the definition of not available is working for another team but anyone in the not available category we're still if we want that person we are going to call the team much like steve Cohn is doing trying to get a new president of baseball operations calling all of these other teams with those who are quote unquote unavailable with no experience and either getting permission or not we're still going to make the call so bob melvin to me would be in the category of not available with experience but secretly available and if you are in the not available with experience but secretly available category that is the arena where deals are made A deal was made yesterday between the Oakland A's and the San Diego Padres. Make no mistake about it. The A's did not receive compensation from the San Diego Padres the way you would think of compensation, a player or a draft pick or international bonus slot money. The Oakland A's got $4 million from the San Diego Padres. Well, I didn't read that anywhere. How can that be, David? What are you talking about? The option that Bob Melvin signed in June of 2021 for his contract to be renewed for 2022 was at $4 million. When the San Diego Padres came calling and said, hey, could we talk to Bob Melvin? Would that be out of the question? Do you know what the Oakland A's said? Are you sure? Because we love it. We have a stadium situation going on. We're gonna have to put money into a new stadium. It's likely going to be in Oakland, but people think we're relocating to Vegas. But if you listen to Nothing Personally, you know that we're not relocating to Vegas. We're going to get the deal done in Oakland. But that stadium is not going to be open for a number of years. Our window for competing is now closed. We're going into a rebuild as we lead into the opening of the new stadium. Do you remember the roller coaster, the parabolic curve? That we discussed with low revenue teams when their windows open and when their windows closed. If you're watching on YouTube, nothing personal with David Sampson, you're watching me go up like a roller coaster, down and then up again. And I always talked about the best teams keep the down as short as possible. I did this exact thing in 2009 as we started building toward the opening of the ballpark in 2012. You start planning your team as you head into your new ballpark so you can be at the peak of your winning. The ready to win in a new ballpark first year. That's the dream. That's what makes a new ballpark sells tickets. That's what increases the asset value of your team. That's what makes you a good president. All of those things, you get ready. Yes, I understand, I go totally, bollocks that in every possible way because we didn't win in 2012 but we tried the oakland A's are now in a position where they had a window where they remember they made the playoffs a bunch of years in a row they were winning 97 games they missed the playoffs this year in a division that was difficult to say the least but now they've got a bunch of pending free agents and you're going to watch this happen their payroll is going to be going down I'm talking about going down in a way that would make Bruce Springsteen proud. I'm going down, down, down. And with a low payroll, you do not need a $4 million veteran manager. It's not necessary. So there's a lot of rumors that the Oakland A's are going to bring in Ron Washington now, who is uh, the third base coach for the Atlanta Braves. They're going to bring in someone like that, maybe a Bobby Valentine if he loses his mayoral bid in Stamford, Connecticut. I think they're going to go for a manager who they can pay half a million dollars to and they can groom to maybe become a manager when the team is ready to win or hold down the fort until the team is ready to win again when they open up their new ballpark, whenever that may be in three, four years. So when the call comes in to Billy Bean by A.J. Preller, hey, Billy, any possibility of talking to Bob Melvin? Yes. But hold on. Before you can call him, I'm going to call him. Hey, Bob, the managers have the Padres have a managerial opening. What are your thoughts on that? Now I'm not saying you can't come back. We love you. I love working with you. I'm just saying that this is where we're headed. This is what we're doing with our team. This is who the players are going to be. This is what our payroll is going to be. This is what it's going to be the year after. You don't even have a contract for 2023. We're not going to win enough games to warrant us signing you to a new contract. Well, in that case, of course I'll talk to AJ and the Padres because they're ready to win now, and they've got a payroll that's bloated. That's what mutually beneficial is. Do you remember when I told you that the Padres will hire a manager with experience? Well, that's the whole wait-to-see concept. We say wait-to-see, and if it happens, we revisit it. If it doesn't happen, we revisit it. On October 7th, I said the Padres will hire a manager with experience, and so they have. Bob Melvin goes to San Diego. Should all the Friars be jumping for joy in their robes? You got yourself one of the best managers in the game. You are this close. My fingers are super close together right now. You're this close to being ready to win. You're missing only one thing, and that is a president of baseball operations. Good luck with that. Mutually beneficial. Do you know what's not mutually beneficial? Transition alert. Transition alert. What is not mutually beneficial is paying attention to PETA. People for the ethical treatment of animals. I'm not against the ethical treatment of animals. I'm against drinking Kool-Aid. I'm against being told when to drink Kool-Aid, how to drink the Kool-Aid, and then making sure that the Kool-Aid is laced with something that will cause my imminent demise little do people know when they join PETA that they're going to become part of an organization that strives to annoy without any redeeming qualities pito announced yesterday that they were offended and upset with the name of the bullpen in baseball and they want to change the name to arm barn because animals and pens are waiting to be slaughtered by the way Arms in bullpens are waiting to be slaughtered, too. That's what happens to bullpen arms. Blowing out Tommy John, torn labrum. Oh, David, don't you compare the slaughter of animals to a pitcher who can no longer throw 98 and has to do rehab for a year with his arm in a sling. David, you're so insensitive. I'm going to tweet at you at David P. Sampson. Bring it on. You've done it already. In 2012, we opened Marlins Park with fish tanks behind the plate, and the Florida Marlins, who were then the Miami Marlins, we changed our name. The Miami Marlins had to create a new email server to take all of the emails that I got because I had a public account that was d.sampson at marlins.com. That was an account that was for everyone to use. You want to reach me? It's sort of like the Nothing Personal public account we have right now, and I forgot what that is. Is that Nothing Personal with David Sampson at gmail.com, Coca? Do you write out Nothing Personal with David Sampson? Okay. So it's this public account where people could ask me questions and people could lodge complaints, whatever they wanted to do, and I would answer every email. My assistant and I would go through and answer all of the hundreds, thousands of emails that we would get on a daily and weekly basis. Now, we had sort of form responses to several of them. If you wanted money as a charity, if you wanted something signed by a player, if you were upset about the lack of good food in the ballpark, if you wanted the team to win more games, what I did is I created these forms that responded to 98% of emails that were sent. And then the other 2%, we had to sort of amend the forms and Beth would come into my office. I would dictate what I wanted to respond. We'd respond and we'd move on. And all of a sudden, we got an email one day that was a paragraph long that I was the devil reincarnated, which heard that before, big deal. And the reason is that the fish that were in the fish tank We're going to be subject to a miserable life because they were going to be scared by the vibration of a foul ball hitting the fish tank and the noise that would be generated by a sold-out stadium. Back then, when the ballpark hadn't opened, people had assumed it would be a sold-out stadium. My response should have been, Dear PETA, thank you for concern, but our attendance sucks. Those fish have bigger crowds in a third-floor walk-up in a downtown apartment. But instead... I came up with a response that we've spoken to people at the fish store, and these fish will have a better life here than they would in the ocean because we're going to feed them. They're not going to get eaten by predators. And by the way, we've put glass over it where it is uh, bubble glass and it's shatterproof, and they're all going to be fine. So stay out of my business. Love, David. Thanks for your email. And then the next one came in, and then the next one. And we got hundreds of thousands of the same email. So what PETA did is they sent to their... On blast all of their members please send the following email to David Samson president of the Marlins who is opening a fish tank in his new ballpark which had never been done and it's not like the devil race tank which is in the outfield which is not near anybody this was in full view you can't see it anymore because Jeter got rid of it bitter no do whatever you want <laughs> I miss my fish tanks it was so cool if you miss them a lot go to an old episode of fish tank Kings they did an episode with the installation of the fish tanks, and I got to, like, prove how the glass wouldn't shatter with a foul ball. It was fun to, to record that, actually. I did that before Survivor. That was my first foray into reality TV was fish tank Kings? So PETA has all of these uh, uh, form emails. They send it. They go on blast. And I did the one response and we had a server created that just responded to all these emails automatically. So I ended up not seeing them, but it really was hundreds of thousands. So now they are counting and asking Major League Baseball to switch its bullpen to Armbarn. Boy, that's really taken a stand. Should be ashamed of themselves. I really have nothing further to say on that topic except it's not even worthy of wait to see. The bullpens will not be renamed arm barns. Somebody's going to do it for fun. If I were the president of a team, maybe as a promotion I would just change it. I would get a sponsor. I may try to get, like, a farm sponsor and name it the arm barn just just to be funny. Bullpen. Yeah. Arms to the slaughter. All right. I think Coca we have a pretty serious topic we have to cover, but I think we should cover it after the break. Let's go to break early today. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the Blackhawks scandal again and the fact that the Florida Panthers coach, Coach Q, Coach Quenville resigned yesterday and what that all means. And then we're also going to discuss an important subject that happened with another letter that went to players around this country in every sport. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following, subscribing, and spending the week with us. It's been a a hell of a week. So many stories, it's hard to get to all of them. But I promise you that we still watch a movie every day. I watched a movie called Together. I rented it on either Apple TV or Amazon. It's a movie that's in theaters right now. It stars James McAvoy, who you may have heard of and Sharon Horgan, who I've talked about as the star of a TV series called Catastrophe, which I loved. Together was filmed during the pandemic. The entire cast of Together is two people, a husband and a wife, a nameless husband and wife. At the end credits, it's he and she. They have one child, they're in England, and it's about the pandemic lockdown in the UK. And it's about what happens to a relationship. They break the fourth wall often, they're talking to the camera, I would have expected not to enjoy a movie that had so little action. And I don't mean John Wick type action. I'm just talking about it was filmed in one area. It was sort of like that um, uh, Zendaya, uh, John David Washington movie, which was also pandemically uh, shot. The reason why i want you to watch together is that it's going to make you feel so much better about your relationship and it's not that it was a bad relationship between sharon horgan and james mcavoy he and she it's they went through exactly what everyone went through during lockdown when you are looking at your significant other and you are trying to understand what's my exit strategy here how do I find another room to be in? How do I deal with the reality that I can't go anywhere and I didn't commit a felony? Together is only six ninety nine, and while I understand that's an amount of money, it is worth seeing so you can personalize the movie to what your situation is, and you may have more empathy or at least more understanding in terms of your own relationship. Well, on Wednesday's show... On nothing personal and Thursday again on nothing personal and on Levitard. Give give a listen to our episodes the last two days if you haven't, and to the Levitard show that we did uh, about this situation. The Blackhawk scandal, you know, we call it that. And you know, I don't want to call it that anymore, Coca. Can we switch that? It's not really a scandal. This is a situation where a man was sexually abused. And it was completely covered up and ignored by his organization after he went public, after he went to his supervisor, his coach. It was done by another coach, but he went to a different coach, went to the GM, said what was happening, and nothing was done. And it was John Doe. There was no name associated with this situation in hockey. And then all of a sudden, Kyle Beach went public, gave a 28-minute interview with TSN and said, it's me, and here's what happened, and here's why I'm so hurt. And it was devastating. And the reason why it became a story in Florida is that the coach of the Blackhawks at the time was the same coach, Joel Quenville, who's the coach of the Panthers right now. And the real problem that happened is there was a statement when the GM of that Blackhawks team in 2010 and still in 2021 resigned, that's Scotty Bowman's son, not Bob Bowman's son. Bob Bowman is the one who was in charge of MLB.com and built MLB.com into the behemoth that it is today and then was basically forced out when uh, Bud Selig left and Rob Manfred joined on and there was a power struggle that Bob lost, so Bob was gone. Bob is an incredibly intelligent executive, who, uh, who built a lot of value for all 30 teams. That's why I was thinking about Bob Bowman. But it was actually the most successful hockey coach of all time. Had a son named Stan, who was the GM of the Blackhawks. He was forced to resign. But what would happen with Joel Quenville? People said, oh, it's 11 years ago. He's on the Panthers. The Panthers in Florida are now 7-0-0. They're the best team in hockey. It's all going to be okay. And I said to you on Wednesday, it's not okay. I guarantee you this ends with him not coaching the Florida Panthers ever again. He's done. And then the avalanche happened. The pebble turned into an avalanche. The nothing personal pebble turned into a nationwide avalanche. That sounds way too egomaniacal that our pebble could have started a nationwide avalanche. But the reality is there was no way the Florida Panthers could get around the fact that they were going to have to fire their coach and they didn't want to. That's why they let him coach a game after this came out. That's why what came out was that he knew about it, but didn't care because he wanted to win games on the way to the Stanley Cup. But the Panthers let him coach. They wanted the NHL to figure out what to do. So Coach Quenville met with the NHL, and wouldn't you know it, last night, Coach Quenville resigned. So the wait to see on October 27th was certainly correct, that he would resign, and he did. It didn't take long. Now, what did take the time, because people were wondering why it didn't happen earlier in the day, is that he had about 10 or $20 million left on his contract, and that had to be negotiated. His severance had to be negotiated, the same reason John Gruden took some time when he was going to get fired, but he got to say he resigned because of the email situation with the Washington football skins, and so time had to happen while the lawyers we're negotiating what the severance would be, and while real PR people were hired to figure out what are we gonna say. So Quenville got his own PR person. He came out with a statement last night. With deep regret and contrition, I announced my resignation as head coach of the Panthers. He was allowed to resign as part of the deal. Does anyone get fooled by that anymore? Quenville did not resign on his of his own volition. He was fired. He said, I want to express my sorrow for the pain this young man Kyle Beach has suffered. Horse hockey. It should say, I want to express my sorrow that I got swept up in this and that my name was thrown out there and now I'm forced to resign because I was going to get fired because of the society in which we live where there can be no forgiveness for something done 11 years ago and I'm forced to pay the piper. That would have been a paragraph. I want to reflect on how all of this happened and take the time to educate myself on ensuring hockey spaces are safe for everyone. Triple horse fricking hockey. That's what that's what all of the high paid PR people are telling telling everyone to say. You get caught saying a homophobic slur, you get educated. You get hot. You get caught saying a racist slur, you go get educated. You get caught saying something about Castro, you go meet with people and get educated about the relationship between Castro and Miami, or the relationship between pedophiles and their, and children, or the relationship that exists when young people are not protected properly. It's like in the USA gymnastics, women's gymnastics team, I'm going to get educated. You don't need to get educated. It's what we say. I have to get educated. Really? When someone comes up to you and says that they're getting sexually violated and you say, you know, we got a cup to win. I really wanna leave this until after the season. What are you being educated about again? Are we educating you that it's wrong to sexually harass and violate someone or abuse someone? Is that the education you need to know whether that's right or wrong? Or do you need the education to know whether or not you need to do something about a problem that is brought to you? Hey, your kid comes to you. Your kid's being bullied at school. Hey, I can't react to this. You know why? I got work to do, and I'm going to educate myself into what bullying is and what the significance is and whether or not it can be a problem for someone. It's pathetic. NHL took the time to do a statement, and this was a good one. It's a statement from Gary Bettman on the resignation of Joel Quenville, and it starts with, the National Hockey League agrees with the decision tonight by Joel Quenville to resign his duties as head coach of the Panthers. (laughs) That's so nice of you, Gary. Thank you so much for agreeing, because I'm sure that's not the meeting when you met with Joel Quenville and the GM of the Panthers. And it was discussed the fact that he's going to get fired and you were negotiating the severance. It's very nice of you to say that you agree with the Panthers' decision. That's like Roger Goodell saying, I really appreciate with you, Mark Davis. I appreciate you, Mark Davis, for the decision to let go of John Gruden. I appreciate you, John Gruden, for agreeing to resign. What a bunch of crap. Okay, and then he said, you have to say this. I admire Kyle Beach for his courage in coming forward. You have to say that. I'm appalled that he was so poorly supported upon making his initial claim. You have to say that. Very good. And I'm sorry for all that he has endured. Great. But now we need something big out of you, Gary. What's the final? The denouement And then the final sentence of your statement. And here's what it is. <laughs> we thank the Panthers organization for working with us to ensure that a thorough process was followed. Huh? Given the result, there is no need for any further action by the NHL regarding Mr. Quenville at this time. What? However, should he wish to re-enter the league in some capacity in the future, I will require a meeting with him in advance in order to determine the appropriate conditions under which such new employment might take place. Oh my God, why Gary, why? Show some cojones, suspend him. Say, we will not tolerate people like that in our league. And then you end your statement with a message to the other people who still work for you in your league now. We have made it very clear to every employee of every team that we will not permit this behavior going forward and that we have put systems in place you always have to say that we're putting systems in place what it means crock of crap but just say it we are putting this is not what i would say this is what gary should have said when you're in the position of a commissioner where you have to say a bunch of, of stuff that's going to get torn apart by nothing personal another such podcasts if there are any which i don't think there are that sounded too cocky there may be you continue to say hey listen we are putting systems in place so that people like Coach Quenville can never do what he did again in 2010. We will not tolerate even one more example where there is anyone who is made uncomfortable to go forward when they have been put in a position, in a compromising position. Then you end it. Coach Q is gone and done, as we've said. You know who's next, by the way. You know who Kevin Shevaldioff is? I probably said that name wrong, right, Coca? Shevaldioff. Shivaldi- Sh- Shevaldioff. Kevin Shiveldayov is the GM for the Winnipeg Jets. He's the last remaining. He is the last remaining employee from the front office. He was the assistant GM of the 2010 Blackhawks and he is now the GM of the Winnipeg Jets. For whatever reason, Gary Bettman was so busy they didn't have time to meet with this Kevin guy until today. So he's gonna meet with him today. It's shovel day off, shovel day off. I need shovel days off, I'll tell you that. So Kevin shovel day off is gonna meet with Gary Bettman today, and guess what? Gary Bettman will have a second chance at a statement because there is no way that the slate will be clean until you rid that slate of everyone associated, because that's the way that Gary Bettman and the other NHL owners can say, hey, listen, we were made aware of what happened. We're definitely late to the party, but we took care of it the way Donald Sutherland wanted to take, hey, god dang it, Seven fourteen sixty nine. Now that we've been made aware of what took place with the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010, we're going to take care of it the way Donald Sutherland took care of the town in Outbreak. We're dropping it. And there's no Dustin Hoffman or Cuba Gooding Jr. is going to get in the way of the plane. And when you drop the napalm, guess what? Everyone associated with it disappears. There is no scenario under which the GM of the Winnipeg Jets will be the GM of the Winnipeg Jets on Monday. I guess that's a way to see. Let's add that as an extra way to see if you don't mind, Coca. Winnipeg Jets GM does not make it through the weekend. Another story that is catching my attention, because letters being sent by organizations sometimes catch my attention when they're interesting. Did you read what the NAACP did? This is, I've never seen anything like this in my entire career. The NAACP sent a letter to the MLB Players Association, the NBA Players Association, the NFL Players Association, and I guess to the NHL Players Association. They sent a letter to those different associations asking players to not sign with any teams in Texas. I want to make sure that that marinates with you for one quick second. The NAACP sent a letter asking that players in MLB, NBA, NFL, NHL, and the WNBA, by the way, please tell your players, they said to the Players Union, to sign with whoever they want, but not teams in Texas. No Houston Rockets, no San Antonio Spurs, no Texas Rangers, no Houston Astros, no Dallas Stars. No Dallas Cowboys. No Houston Oilers. Why? Because recent laws that have been passed in Texas on abortion, voting rights, and mask mandates are so egregious and so in violation of what we believe as fair and <laughs> I can't believe it. Okay. Okay. I need to explain my laughter. I'm laughing because I want to know how the meeting went in the in the NAACP. I want to know if they actually thought that sending a letter to the Players Association of these sports would somehow lead in any possible way to any African American player or any player at all not to sign with the Texas team because of the voting rights abortion and mask mandate situation in Texas. By a show of hands, I'm going to look out here through the camera at no studio audience, but always pretending there's a studio audience. I'd like to see a show of hands. The Dallas Cowboys offer you a guarantee of $72 million on a six-year deal. Your next best offer is $60 million from a Another state that purportedly has better laws on abortion, voting rights, and mask mandates. Are you telling the Dallas Cowboys to go pound sand because you don't like the fact that they play in a state where they don't like the laws? What would you like the sports teams to do about it, Derek? Derek? Derek Johnson is the president and CEO of the NAACP. Tell me what you want. Oh, I get it. If five good players or five mediocre players or five crappy players don't sign with teams and instead they go to another team and take less money, I know what will happen. I got it. You're right. The Texas abortion law will change. Oh, and on top of that, for sure you're going to have to wear a mask. And don't you worry. Access to voting is going to be on par with Georgia in a hot second. What about all the other states that have the same voting rights as Texas? What about the other states that may have an opportunity and may, at the end of the day, if they're red enough, change the rules and laws on abortion? How is it that you're not sending a letter to tell people not to sign with the Florida teams? Is that because people don't sign with the Florida teams anyway? Of course they do. Just ask Miguel Rojas. People sign with the Florida teams. If you are considering signing in texas i ask you to ensure that owners are upholding their responsibility of protecting you the athlete and your family i ask you to use your influence to help protect the constitutional rights of each individual at risk oh my god do you know what's never come up when i've signed a free agent not one time hey you know i'm not loving what's going on in florida could you do me a favor and call your senator? Call Marco Rubio and see if maybe you could get him to change what we're doing. And by the way, while we're at it, can I talk to the governor? That Governor DeSantis, man, he's a bunch of crap. I don't agree with anything he's doing. But, hey, we're offering you an extra guaranteed year. Oh, sorry, where do I sign? Nothing personal, pick of the day. We had the Packers. Did you know that? We didn't need six and a half. We could have given two and still won. We're 140 and 126. I want to give you my picks for the weekend. We have game three tonight in the World Series. We're back. There'll be no managerial announcements. We've got three games in Atlanta, and Atlanta's second and final remaining starting pitcher is going tonight, Ian Anderson, against the rookie Luis Garcia. Garcia's the one who pitched like no-hit ball into the fifth inning in game six of the LCS against... The Red Sox, do you remember that? Anyway, huge, huge game for Atlanta. Atlanta will prevail. Braves over Astros on Friday. And then, I can't tell you about Saturday's game until Friday's game, but I do have a college football pick, and it's not Alabama. You have to watch Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan is actually having a far better year. I was way wrong. I didn't think Harbaugh would survive. Michigan State is getting four versus Michigan. I like Michigan State getting four. Michigan's giving a little too many. And then Sunday, we've got another great game. Pete Carroll is on the hot seat in Seattle. Russell Wilson is going to, again, demand a trade. Probably. Seahawks are playing the Jaguars, but the Jaguars are such a mess. I think they got their victory when they celebrated. when. Remember when Urban Oscar Mayer said it was a greater thing than winning a national championship when they beat the Jets in London? Or the Dolphins in London, Sorry. Whoever they beat in London. Anyway, Seahawks minus three and a half over Jags. Braves over Astros. Michigan State plus four V Michigan. Seahawks minus three and a half over Jags. Okay, to close the week, we have a story that's going on in the NFL that you are going to find fascinating because don't turn it off. It's about Stan Officer Krupke, who is the owner of the St. Louis Rams, who moved the team from St. Louis to Los Angeles. So they are currently Los Angeles Rams. And there's that huge lawsuit going on in the NFL that we've talked about on this show that is a real problem for Roger Goodell. It's not as big as his current 650,000 email WF skinny situation, but it's right up there. The local government in Seattle, in, God, 69, eight. The local government in St. Louis has filed a lawsuit claiming that St. Louis violated its contract and misled, if not fraudulently misled, St. Louis. And that fraud led to their believing they could relocate. They're not allowed to relocate. They shouldn't have relocated. We want them back. Now, they're not doing it to get them back. They're actually just doing it to get paid because in their view, they've lost so much money by losing their sports team, which is true, which is why I don't mind public money going into the building and facilities because once teams leave those cities, the cities do as much as they can to get them back because they want that cachet of a team and they want the money that it brings. So this lawsuit was uh, attempted to get quashed by the NFL and it didn't work. They're actually in discovery now where there's a possibility that Roger Goodell and Jerry Jones, among others, Robert Kraft included, are going to have to testify, and you're going to get to see behind the curtain of the NFL that you do not want to get to see. Because you cannot plead the fifth. I guess you could. You could always say, hey, don't ask me that. I'm not going to answer. I'm pleading the fifth. But how would that look if Roger Goodell got in the stand? So what the NFL is trying to do is avoid at all costs that lawsuit going forward when you buy a team in major league baseball and in the nfl there are several documents that you have to sign and there are several agreements that have to be negotiated you agree with the people you're buying the team from the current owner you also have agreements with the league that you're buying into because you're becoming a franchisee one of the documents that i was forced to sign as president of the Marlins on behalf of our owner, was an indemnification document. An indemnification document means that if we ever get in trouble, this is MLB talking or the NFL, if we ever get in trouble and get sued because of anything you do, you're going to pay our legal fees. Another document we sign is that we are not going to sue you, Major League Baseball or Rob Manford. So we're not going to sue you, and if anything we do leads to a lawsuit, we're going to pay your legal bills. And by the way, it happened with us when the limited partners of the Montreal Expos brought us to arbitration and included Bud Selig and Bob Dupay, who was the president of baseball at the time, but still was the commissioner. And the legal fees for Major League Baseball had to be paid by us. And by the way, we crushed the limited partners. We won every part of that lawsuit. Sorry, Steve Bronfman. So when Stan Kroenke bought into the league and agreed to relocate the team, was given permission to relocate, part of that agreement was, if anything comes of this, you're paying our legal bills. Well, little did Stan know at the time that this lawsuit would be brought and that it would go as far as it's gone and that the legal bills would be in the tens of millions of dollars because, uh uh-oh individual teams have been involved as well. So it's not just the commissioner's office spending money on lawyers, it's the Dallas Cowboys, it's the New England Patriots. And if you know lawyers like I know lawyers, you can ring up a lot of money in bills, a lot. Like enough for an apartment in New York City, in New York. So Cranky announced at the recent owners meeting, I have a surprise for everyone. My name is Stan, and I no longer want to pay your legal fees. I've decided that your legal fees are too high, and I'm not going to pay them. And the NFL owners said, are you kidding me? Stan, leave the room right now. They kick Stan out of the room to talk amongst themselves about what to do. Jerry Jones had to say, hey, listen, he's not going to really sue us. He's not going to break the indemnification agreement. We're not going to have to sue him. It's all going to be okay. This is a big story, folks, and the reason why this is such a big story is that the NFL must hold Stan Kroenke to that agreement because if you let him not pay the legal fees for the NFL owners and the NFL league, the central commissioner's office, you are setting a precedent for future deals where a new owner coming in like a Jeff Bezos will say, hey, I'm not going to sign that indemnification because signing indemnifications is really not ideal because what you're saying is that i will be responsible for anything bad that happens to you that i did but if i can't prove if you can't prove that i did it you're gonna have to sue me to say that i did it in order to get your legal bills paid when someone else is suing you for something that you think i did which i think i did not do stan cranky is saying i did nothing wrong You guys voted to allow me to relocate, so I relocated. The fact that they're suing me, that's just because I was there at the time, but you got to stand behind me. This indemnification agreement doesn't apply here. The NFL said, oh, yes, it does. The owner stood up and said, oh, yes, it does. It simply says, these agreements, if we incur legal fees of any kind or any sort of penalty or any sort of judgment, you are paying for it. You cannot allow Stan Kroenke to amend this agreement. Now Cronkie's threatening he could sue the NFL over it. It is an absolute mess. How does it end? Well, it ends with the team still in Los Angeles. St. Louis will not get the team back. The lawsuit between St. Louis and the NFL and Kroenke will not end with Roger Goodell taking the stand. There will be some sort of settlement. There will be some sort of an agreement because the NFL tried the legal way to get the case thrown out, it didn't work. But believe me, Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, and Stan Kroenke and Roger Goodell will not be walking into a courtroom anytime soon to open up their kimono. And then on top of that, Stan Kroenke and the NFL will not sue each other over this indemnification agreement. Stan Kroenke is going to have to swallow super hard and realize that the value of his team has gone up significantly enough. Forget the fact that he's a billionaire. Billionaires still fight over money. That's how they're billionaires. But he will have to swallow hard and realize that you can only fight the fights worth fighting. And going against the NFL in a lawsuit regarding indemnification is a mistake. That is a wait to see. Cranky and the NFL will settle this indemnification issue before it gets into the courts. I promise you. That's our week what a week it's been thank you for being a part of it we will see you on monday i promise you that remember it's just business you know that stan this is nothing personal
1: introducing wondersuite from bluehost.com the tool that makes wordpress wonderful for everyone